listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. Tennille, our mum, and Emma, her awesome friend, shared deep passion for the snow. They started the podcast together to share all their experiences with you. Between them, they have skied over 95 resorts, both held ski instructor qualifications, lived and worked in resorts, and still spent every hard-earned dollar skiing. They set their lives up around snow travel. Our houses are always Airbnb ready, and our ski bags are always packed, ready to go. We're certainly not complaining about this, are we? No way. And even better, we get to share all the experiences. Find out why the Canadians were surprised by Al, Tali and Dean, Australia's first curling winter Olympians. Find out what kicking out of your hat means, why the rock travels and the stringent rules behind the 290 gram brooms. Strategy is high in the game of curling and so is the commitment of Tali and Dean to the sport they love, which we're sure you will love their sport as well after this interview. Hi, guys. How's it going today? Great. Good. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, good. Where where are you located at the moment? We're in Canmore, so a couple hours away from Calgary. Oh, cool. So I'm super excited today to talk to you, Tally and Dean, because you are our first Australian representatives for curling at an Olympic Games. Yeah, it's yeah. a real feeling, to be honest. Like, it's great for Australian curling and hopefully it does wonders for it in the future. Where are you both from originally? I was born in Sydney, but I grew up pretty much in Brisbane. So Brisbane, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I'm based in Melbourne. Oh, wow. Very diverse. And how did you get together for the team? Um, well, we both met each other when we were in juniors. So we both started playing in a junior men's and women's team around the same time. And um, we just kind of knew each other from that circle and then one year I played at a nationals with a different partner um, and then Dean <laughs> called me up after that and was like, do you want to team up and try and get to the Olympics? So, yeah, we kind of knew each other from juniors. Mm, so how young can you start curling in Australia? I, it, and coming from Brisbane, like it's a winter sport. <laughs> so how Tally, you tell us your story first of, as a kid, how you got into it, and then we'll go to Dean. Yep, so it is a bit bizarre, I guess, being in Queensland and getting into winter sports because it's so hot up there. <laughs> but my mum saw it on the Olympics and just really wanted to try it. I was kind of already involved in figure skating and she'd done a bit of skiing, so she was a ski instructor. So we were already kind of in the winter realm anyway. Um, so, yeah, she just saw it on the Olympics one year and thought, you know, it's another sport for her to give give a go. And she called up the rink that I skated at and asked if they had it at the time they didn't but a few other people were interested in it as well so they all linked up and basically started up the club in in Brisbane so I just saw her go curling every Wednesday night and really wanted to give it a go and yeah she she taught me and coached me up and yeah loved it oh ever my since. gosh is she still <laughs> your coach now uh, no, got- no, yeah. but um, Don Morris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, mum's pretty talented. Um, <laughs> and Dean, Melbourne's kind of like associated with a bit of snow, but, yeah, how did not down in the actual Melbourne town but up in the mountains. Yeah, how would you go? How would you get into it? Uh, so essentially I've grown up with it my whole life. Um, my mum is originally from Canada and taught my dad, who's Australian. So they've killed on the Australian men's and women's teams for years and um, – 
they taught me from a really young age. I don't even know what what day I or what year I started, but I, I claim that it's about five years old because that's my first memory of actually playing. So, um, yeah, my whole life really, and even got the chance to play with my dad, but also my mum at a world championships um, for mixed doubles a few years ago as well. So pretty special. You can play from, you know, such a young age, but also, you know, you can play up till, you know, my mum was probably 58 at the time when she played the last world championships. And um, yeah, she, you know, I've played with people over here that have been, in their mid to late 80s as well so it's a whole generation you know you can play we should probably life, talk about curling. the actual sport of curling because i'm sure most people will be familiar with seeing it but let's just go over the rules and the objectives and things in a nutshell so i suppose so- with curling um the objective is to push this or slide this large 20 kilo granite rock down to the other end of the ice, which is about 45 metres long, and you're trying to get as many of your rocks as close as you can to the centre of the target at the other end. Mm -hmm. So you just alternate between teams throwing, and then at the conclusion of the game, you play, let's say, eight or ten ends back and forth. Um, Whoever scores the most amount of points wins. Um, But with curling, there's a lot more aspects to it. So the delivery itself is a very precision-based dynamic for the game. And then on top of that, you add on the sweeping. So the sweeping on um, with curling actually makes the rock go further, mm-hmm. as well as you can change the direction a little bit. So you can make the rock go straighter. And what they found lately is you can actually make the rock curl a little bit more than what it usually does. So is that friction? Yeah, exactly. So you're creating okay. friction and warming up the ice. Yeah. Warming up the ice is the main thing which makes the rock go further. And then the friction creates these tiny little scratches in the ice, which can actually change the direction just a little bit as the rock is going down. Mm. So what, what's the material that you're sweeping with on the ice? So it's like this standardised yellow fabric at the bottom of your broom, mm-hmm. um, which is just a common like weave material. Is, is everyone have to have the same material? You can't like trick yours up or it, it's got to be standard for the olympics yeah. <laughs> it's be exactly oh, yeah. all the fabric comes from the same company oh, wow. all rooms around wow. the world. Yeah. and do they inspect it up like just before to make sure you don't have any little somethings in there yeah they do an inspection before and um after as well they took our brooms and the korean team's broom in for inspection i guess so you really have to make sure that you're using the the standardized equipment so there Otherwise, can be no sandpaper incident Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because pretty much that's what happened for a few years there, that they yeah. had such a break rooms that they could make the rocks do the opposite things to what they should do, which just brought, because you're like with a game of curling, your whole point of the game is to show how good you are at throwing. And then the sweeping kind of just fine tunes the shot. When the sweeping was doing more than the actual throw itself, then it was just too much. So how much time on the ice do you guys get? to do this to curling at, at like at arenas in Australia. Right, yeah, and we at the moment we don't have any dedicated curling rinks in Australia, so we have to go New Zealand is our closest one and that's where we hold all our nationals as well. So we we work train once a week on multi sports so there's hockey, figure skating and um yeah. it's not quite the the right ice conditions for curling cuz it gets scratched up pretty good, so 
Mm. Yeah, if we can manage to get a dedicated curling rink out of our result, hopefully, then that would be absolutely awesome and something. Yeah, that- that'd, that'd be great. And it's, you know, I mean, what, Brisbane's got the new jump. And yeah. Genderbine with the precinct, that would be amazing if we could also could- upgrade the infrastructure. Yeah. You had lots of interest since you've uh, made it to the Olympics. <laughs> like <laughs> the amount of media that's been going around is unbelievable. Um, so hopefully that can spark more interest around getting more people to come out and try, but also hopefully some people with a bit of cash and some businesses that might like to help, you know, fund and build this rink. So, so how much is your equipment and how much equipment do you have to take with you on? Uh, where's your circuit? Is it expensive to do the circuit? It, it varies quite a bit. Um, it depends on which ones you choose to take on. So we don't really have a, a specific World Cup circuit, but there is like World Curling Tour events. So, you know, they can have multiple events in different um, countries at the same time. So you kind of pick and choose where you want to go. Um, this year we've decided to base ourselves purely in Canada um, for all our tour events and then just Netherlands for uh, the, uh, the qualification events. So, it can get quite expensive for all the travel for sure. Um, and then in terms of equipment, the brooms are the main things we have to carry around as well as our shoes. So the brooms are the ones which, you know, probably sit in a similar size bag to a golf bag. Um, but the rocks, we don't have to worry about those because they actually are provided to every that you have to go to. So you never have to carry your own rocks because each rock is 20 kilos. So that would add up baggage really quick. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's just part of the game as well, you know, with different rocks or the rocks at the mm. event. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so that's, do you know what rock you're going to get before you turn up so you can prepare? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> they probably won't tell us. They generally tell you what set they're going to use and if they've been used at another event beforehand. But that's about all you get. You really have to have a look at what you've got at the event. And it's, it's, I suppose once you get to the event as well, they actually adjust the rocks a little bit. So even though the rock you might have played with before at a previous event, believe it or not, they actually do sandpaper the bottom. So it actually roughens it a fraction so you get a little more curl out of it. So even though you played with that rock in the past, it's actually going to react differently in the next event. So you never know what the rock's going to do until you turn up. It is super strategic. (laughs) How do you train for curling? Well, I guess we kind of have two different training. We have training when we're in Australia, which is once a week on the multi-sport ice and then we do a lot of off-ice stuff so we're in the gym four days a week doing strength and conditioning and sweeping on bathroom tiles um, and working on strategy like a lot of zoom calls and stuff like that because we do live in different states so zoom is like our best friend (laughs) and with our coach as well and sports psych Um, but then when we're in Canada or um, I guess in Europe would be another place where we would go to tour events we're on the ice five days a week for two to three hours and then in the gym for like three days a week and still working on with our coaches on technical stuff and then sport bike as well so what's the strength is it the quads in your arm it's both yeah because the quads are really important quads and glutes um for kicking out of the hack it's like basically a starting block to get into your slide so you can throw the really high powerful shots um, and also maintain that um, sliding position in that deep lunge. But then the upper body is so crucial for sweeping because, you know, you're, you're sweeping for 20 to 25 seconds in one go and you could be doing that up to, you know, 40 times in a game and you think about that across a tour event 
and you can have a tour event where you play, you know, you could play 10 games in three or four days. So it's, it can really add up and the fatigue element is huge. Wow. Yeah. So do you go through rounds? How's the actual game played? Yeah. So the, I guess the most popular format would be round robin. So there's often like you either have one pool where you versus all the teams or you have a few different pools. So you just play everyone that's in your pool and then you have to get, generally it's like top three spots and then uh, you move on to the playoffs, so semis and then finals. And who who are you most worried about versing or can you not say? I think every team is <laughs> going to be really tough. Yeah. Um, you know, we're playing against the top 10 teams in the world, so um, it's going to be big at the Olympics and they're all, you know, any any team there could realistically go out with a gold medal. Do you think the world's fearful now that Australians are in curling? They should be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm not sure actually. I think we're still seen as because we're not really a, a curling nation per se. So um, I think we're still somewhat of the underdogs, but I think that's slowly fading now that we're getting more and more results. So yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the other teams think actually. Who cares? <laughs> and I, I, I see you've got your um, carbon tops on the uh, they sponsor you and Balance Plus. So carbon seems to be quite good at supporting athletes. Yeah, they've been great yeah. with uniforms for us, and um, yeah, just the outer garments too. Like at the moment, it was I think it was minus forty with wind chill uh, just yesterday. So those big jackets have been key for us at keeping warm out there, and um, even on the ice as well. But um, yeah, Balance Plus is also really key for us for our equipment um and second to none and you know look at the brooms these days and they've created a broom for us which weighs 290 grams so you think it's like a stick of butter basically it's so light what's that made of what's the material it's all carbon fiber um what about your shoes they got bikes in them what do they look like you got a slide so they pretty much look like regular shoes except one foot has a slider on it which is like teflon sort of material and then the other shoe has grip on it. So um, that's basically it. And they kind of look like sort of running shoes mixed between like school shoes, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so where do you buy a curling shoe? Do you have to go to Canada or Europe? Like, I can't imagine you can buy them off a shelf in Australia. No, but in <laughs> Canada you can. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. just about two minutes from us here and pick them up at the at the shop. So it's a different world over here. But yeah, we do have to get all our equipment shipped to Australia if we want it. You've each got a role within your team. So what would your role be, uh, Dean? So for me, we both throw rocks. We both have to throw um, rocks throughout the end. So Tali will throw the first and last rock and I'll throw the middle three rocks. So each team with mixed doubles throw five rocks and end. And my role when I'm throwing and um, when Tali's throwing is actually to sweep every rock. So I'll be the sweeping. So I'll be judging, is the rock going fast enough? And I'll be communicating that towards Tali. And then um, I'll be sweeping if I need to make the rock go further. And then she'll be kind of communicating back to me if I need to sweep for um, the line. So whether I need to keep it straighter or whether I need to make it curl a bit more. So I'll kind of dictate on what kind of angle I sweep on to try and adjust the direction of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's a... I keep thinking of like, you know, the game of marbles when you're a kid. Like, I guess you've got to have that accuracy, don't you? And that ability to make quick judgment calls. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess the other the key thing with Talia is she's calling the strategy too. 
So she'll be up the other end when I'm throwing and then she'll be on strategy and looking for the line and watching opposition rocks as well. And it's so crucial to, to communicate that to me about, you know, do I need to keep the rock straighter or make it curl? And um, yeah, the precision element of throwing as a stone is so key because um, that makes all the difference, you know, in curling, it might be um, a matter of millimetres, honestly, that you win a game. Vitaly, throw us some strategy lines. <laughs> <laughs> my I, my go-to, like for line calling, you sort of say like line's good, weight only. Um, I often say like, what do you think of this shot? Or you sort of go through options and then talk about like, these are our two options. It's whatever you prefer to throw, tolerances and stuff like that. There's a, there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because there's, a lot more than you think when yeah. we, after speaking to you guys. Like, oh, it's incredible. It's not like the local Sunday bowling RSL. There's way more strategy on no. the ice. Do not so much about just getting your rock as close as it can to the centre of the target. There's a lot more about, okay, let's set up for three shots time rather than let's try and get it in there first up because that's often not the best position to put it first up. I guess we're thinking of like what an incredible teamwork you have to have, you know, compared to like just goes into every aspect of your life, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah, that part is super important, especially because there's just the two of us on the ice. So we've worked really hard on the team dynamic and making sure that our communication is getting the best out of us. So yeah, it's definitely an important part for mixed doubles. Yeah. How important a part does your coach play then? Because you guys are very involved together on the ice. How, what, how do you get coached? I guess, I guess it varies quite a bit. So throughout our training sessions, um, it'll all be around kind of the technical things about delivery, making sure we're lining up correctly and just little tips about how we should be releasing and how to throw the right weight and those sorts of things. But then I suppose the really crucial thing is they're watching for our strategy. So they'll be giving us tips throughout the game about strategy. They can only call one timeout throughout the game. Oh, sorry, we can only call one timeout to speak to our coach um, once per game, which is important as well because if we're not really sure about what strategy call to make, they can kind of have some, have some input. Um, but also between each end, so we've got eight ends in a game, um, we can actually chat to the coach in between, which is kind of a new rule, which is fantastic. So we can kind of get a little few tips and tricks as we go, you know, come one that he was saying to me was like okay dean um now's the time to play the power play which you get once per game which kind of changes things up a little bit and gives you the advantage to score multiple points in an end so just having that backing from him to i guess give that suggestion is is really important really interesting i'm lo- i'm loving this chat i'm learning so much thank you <laughs> so what what is your lead up now to the olympics where do you have to go and how many games do you have to play because you've qualified What's, what's the build up now? So now, well, right now we're having a little bit of a break um, over Christmas. So just spending time with our our coach's family and just sort of chilling out a little bit. Um, but then after that, we're going to get right back into training. So back on the ice five days a week and in the gym and working with our coach and really honing in on our technique and strategy and things like that. So playing also practice games as well and um, pretty much just in a training bubble right up until the game. So it's going to be intense, but we're really looking forward to it and we're just so excited to be in this position to train for the games. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah. So are you training against local Canadian sides like the Quebecois or the, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, probably just local teams and then also our coach. I mean, he's the reigning gold medalist, so 
I mean, okay. he, he can throw pretty well. <laughs> um, he knows a thing or two. So, yeah, that'd be really good to play against the best pretty much day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Okay. How, did okay. you, how did you secure that coach? Did he just go, you two? <laughs> We've actually had a lot of history with his family throughout the years. So my dad used to be coached by his dad. So that in I've known his dad as well for a while. Um, and so... You know, a few years ago, my team had actually called um, our current coach's dad up and said, look, would your son be interested in coaching us? Um, this was, you know, soon after the Olympics and he was he was really keen. So we got in touch with him and, yeah, we just kind of had that family connection, I suppose, for quite a few years there. And it was just an easy fit, you know. Australians and Canadians also just naturally get along really well, I think. So it was just it was just easy, I think. Yeah. How how did the Canadians feel about Australians taking a good their gold medalist? (laughs) Well, I think um quite a few countries often opt for a Canadian coach just because it's so big here and they're constantly playing games and they've had a lot of really great results. So yeah, I think um, it's kind of a an expected thing that teams often go for a Canadian coach, but, yeah, I don't really know what they think. <laughs> I think that a lot of people were surprised when they saw him this yeah. year. We, we've worked for, with him for a couple of years, but it's the first time that a lot of teams have seen us with him in person. So they're a little bit surprised and they were like, oh, man, they've got the best of the best. And um, hopefully that works in our favour leading to Olympics, I suppose. I'm sure yeah. it will. How do you get your mind mentally fit? What, like we always talk about mind with all the other athletes as well. That's a huge mind game, curling. It seems like very strategic. For sure. It's a big part of curling and you're out there for almost two hours. So you really got to stay focused for a long time. And I guess at the level that we're at, everyone has the skill and everyone can make amazing shots. And it's about who's the most mentally tough. So that's definitely a crucial part of of the game at, at a high level. And yeah, we do a lot of work with our sports psychologist and on things like mental toughness and strategies to stay focused for longer and things like that. So we work very hard on that part. When you are out there, is it, is every game two hours or is it some games are short or that's just the length of a game? So it, it depends on whether a team crushes another team or not. So it's kind of like a mercy rule type thing in curling as well. So um, if the, if the score differential is quite a lot then often the team that's behind will concede early and that's the only reason why a game would finish quickly otherwise it's it's roughly two hours or just under two hours for a standard game so what's the tv coverage like for curling in canada can you i mean i've lived in canada for a while but i have to be honest i've never really watched curling but i will now (laughs) (laughs) because i actually understand it you know like in the strategy behind it why we're doing an interview like this because you, it's so important once you explain all these different things, everything becomes so much more meaningful when you're watching it. Yeah, I suppose there's there's quite a lot of coverage over here for curling. Actually, I think there's a game on right now. Um, so there's a lot of trials going on at the moment um, for qualifying for like the Canadian Championships for the men's and women's. Um, like their team's already been signed for the Olympics, but this will be an event that goes on to the World Championships instead. But yeah, the coverage is huge over here and the fan base is massive and 
you know, the crowds in Canada would have to be the largest in the world. So it's great playing in front of crowds and stands and hopefully get to do that in Beijing too. Do you have to travel everywhere together, together as a team? Do you miss your families? How long are you away from your families? So we, for this trip, we came into Canada around the 7th of September. I'm pretty sure, pretty much as soon as they opened the borders up to fully vaccinated travellers, we were in here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really good. Um, so by the time we get home, we would be away for about five months, I'm pretty sure. The, the trips are getting longer and um, it's something that we're both getting used to, I think, but we still miss family quite a lot. And But, you know, that's the sacrifice that we knew we would have to make and we were prepared to make it. So a lot of winter athletes in Australia have to do the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of something we expected and deal with <laughs> So when you get home in the off season, do you teach curling yourself? Will you get involved with the Australian Curling Federation? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, every Monday night we're out, I'm out there and Tali's out there on a Wednesday night up in Brisbane and we'll try and teach as much as we can. And I've even got a job at um, the O'Brien Ice House to teach groups, especially like corporate groups, how to curl as well. So I'll do all I can to teach as many um, curlers as I can. And um, it benefits us too. You know, teaching the game gives you more perspective as well and and can actually improve your game as well. So we're looking forward to getting back and, yeah, teaching some more curlers, hopefully a whole group of curlers now how to curl. What, what would you look for in a good curler coming through the ranks? <laughs> They're there to have fun. (laughs) Um, I guess uh, someone with like um, good balance, I would say, like if they've sort of already got that slide foundation or they pick it up pretty easily. And also I think another good thing is when someone picks up the game and the strategy of the game really quickly, it it makes it a lot easier to learn and to develop, I think. So a lot of people that do aerials are gymnasts. Would you look at people that do lawn bowls, for instance, but they don't have slide? Or 10 pin, 10 pin bowls or? Potentially because they tend to have the feel of things, especially Mm -hmm. out of their hand. Um, But uh, even gymnasts are actually really good. Like I've taken David Morris out curling and his um, balance on the ice is just phenomenal. He slid out and I'm like, oh, goodness. Like uh, most curlers that we'd see come through trying it, you know, they'd probably take, four sessions to actually get to where David was for his first throw. So it does make a really big difference to have that kind of sporting background, the balance and that sliding kind of feeling like you have in skiing. Yeah. And gymnasts just with their flexibility and balance is, and just their core strength is so key as well. So there is a bit of crossover across quite a few different sports. Yeah. True. True. What's your favorite part in curling? (laughs) That's a tough question because there's so many really cool aspects of curling like there's the social aspect it's a very family community like on a global level and um there's the strategy the precision of throwing and like there's so much to curling it's hard to pick a specific aspect about it that's the best I think for me it's definitely making those really high hard hits so you're trying to clear out multiple rocks in the one shot um, I love those, just trying to throw it as hard as you can, kick out as hard as possible and just clear out a bunch of rocks. Does that sometimes go pear-shaped? <laughs> and, yes. Yeah, it can turn out very badly. <laughs> what kind of, What kind of? Um, we'll let you go shortly, but what kind of uh, injuries can you get? I mean, I'm picturing. You can definitely fall over, um, and especially when there's multiple rocks colliding at the same time. If you're not standing in the right spot or can't stop before, you know, you're running into a rock essentially, 
you can fall and it can be pretty nasty. Um, but generally falls are pretty rare in curling, like the bad ones. So the the injuries are largely around repetitive use, mm-hmm. um, especially around the knee. Mm-hmm. Just because you're getting in such a deep lunge, the knee is in such a flexed angle and there's so much pressure through the knee that um, just throwing for years and years really takes a toll sometimes. Like you should see the amount of braces that so many curlers have around their knees and ankles. It's unreal. Um, and then just like around the shoulders and upper body for sweeping, you know, even in the grip, like you can get hand injuries as well. So you may not make it to the Olympics on your 80th birthday then. If with all- <laughs> yeah, I'd have to. Maybe with a few joint replacements. I don't know. <laughs> Anything is possible, but I don't know about that. <laughs> we're we're looking forward to watching you guys and sharing this interview with everybody I think you'll have a lot more viewers they'll understand the game now a lot more which is great yeah I hope so that's awesome so um we kind of end up our little interviews with um normally what's your favorite mountain to ski on but obviously not a great question so (laughs) where's your favorite place to curl in the world for me it's actually where we are at the moment um so we're in Canmore and, and Banff we curl there a little bit as well and um Banff is a really cool spot because they have windows on the side of the sheet so you can actually look out to the mountains and there's often deer crossing right next to you I mean it can get pretty distracting um but just this part of the world in the Rockies is just fantastic just the views and um the people are just fantastic they're so helpful and generous to us and yeah definitely would come back here in a heartbeat yeah mine is Thank you so much. <laughs> I got in first. Um, but yeah, like where we are and we've been here for a while and it's really starting to feel like a second home. So I would say where we are as well. And like a lot of kids and mums listen to our podcast. So what would be your top tip to get into curling and to try and get towards to be an Olympian? Like what a dream, guys. That's awesome. I best Ty is probably the best one to explain it because she kind of, came from watching the Olympics, like a mum watched the Olympics and that's the reason why she came out. So she's probably the best person to ask for this one. I think I think the biggest thing was like if my mum hadn't have gone, what a cool sport, I just want to go out and give it a go, like I wouldn't be off to the Olympics. And so I think, you know, like if you see something that you really want to give it a go and get really passionate about, just go out and like there's no harm in trying. You just got to you just gotta get out and give it a go and it is it is tougher uh, being in a sport that's not a traditional sport in Australia. So you just got to battle through the adversities and find creative ways to be resourceful and find different ways to do things. And it all pays off in the end. So that would be my advice is give it a go and push through all the hard times. And bring your mates too. Yes. <laughs> that's always key. Well, thank you so much for today. Educational on every front. So, thank yeah. you so much for having us. It was yeah, fun. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Well, good luck. We'll be watching you. You'll be wearing your green and gold. Woohoo. <laughs> Thanks, guys, so much. It was amazing. Good luck. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tanil. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.